Welcome to the Black and White. I'm Abigail. I am Alex. And let's talk out to field. So this week we're going to be talking about Black Friday, the second musical in the Hatchetfield series. It's ironic because we're recording this two days after Black Friday. So we think this is a good time to cover this episode. So first we're going to be talking about Wiggly, the entity responsible for Black Friday. Wiggly is a green doll which is seen throughout the musical as people wanting to get this doll to fix something in their lives like Tom wants it because he thinks it's going to fix his relationship with his son Tim and people like Sherman Young are just really creepy and want the toy. We think Wiggly has a connection to touch because each of the Lords in Black we think represent a different sense and since Wiggly is a tickle me Wiggly we think he represents touch. I think Wiggly also, he doesn't seem to care that people know that he's the one responsible for it. Because in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals with Pokey, you don't realize it's Pokey doing it until after we're introduced to Pokey in Witch in the Web. But with Wiggly, the whole thing very much revolves around him, the dolls, and um, the president knows it's him and goes into the black and white and he talks to Hannah and... He's very open with the fact that he's the one causing all of this. Also, he seems to incite violence in people who he controls. All of the Lords in Black incite violence in people. But Wiggly especially causes people to murder because of how much they want him. And it's also interesting because he's so powerful and yet he needs someone like Linda Monroe to be his prophet and like to help him become a god he can't just go through the portal and take over the world he needs help to do it and it seems like the people who he mainly affects is Wilbur Cross or Uncle Wiley as well as Linda Monroe now Uncle Wiley his name begins with a W which ties into the fact that each entity affects someone with the name beginning with the same letter, Wiggly, Wiley, Pokey, Paul, Blinky, Bill. And Linda Monroe is affected more by Wiley, but it's very strange to see that Wiley goes into the black and white as a member of Peep and then comes out a raving lunatic, probably because of Wiggly. I think because of Wiggly, but also just because of the forces within the black and white, like uh, McNamara says. And he... Um, realizes that this is he somehow then becomes crazy which makes you think well then is McNamara after we see him with Lex did McNamara then become crazy and become like serving Wiggly would be something that might happen in Nerdy Prisoners Die is we see McNamara go full insane just like Wiley as the black and white has taken over his soul as well there's a lot of different character relationships. I think there's like 13 important like relationships between characters which we need to talk about. So we're going to start with Tom and Tim. Yeah, so in Black Friday, their relationship isn't as good as it was in Jane's a car. I think part of that was the fact that it was just a year after Jane's death and they were still pretty traumatised. But Tom doesn't seem to realise that all Tim wants is his dad until if I fail you 
he really feels responsible for Jane's death. So I think he assumes Tim blames him, too, when really Tim doesn't blame him. Tim just wants him to look after him and to spend time with him. And when he's going off to wait in line for Wiggly and Tim doesn't realize what he's doing, he just wants to have that uh, belated Thanksgiving with uh, Tom. Yeah, because when Emma and Paul come over, they think that it's going to be a family thing, but instead Tom leaves and he makes it seem like he's going because he needs a new blade for his bandsaw. And Tim is visibly upset at that. And he visibly just thinks that his dad doesn't really love him. He thinks like he already lost his mom and he's kind of losing his dad because his dad doesn't want to spend time with him. Yeah. Because Tom seems to think that what Tim wants is the Wiggly because that's what everyone wants. And he thinks that his son, he doesn't even realize that Tim didn't ask for it because he's so used to talking for him. Yeah. And then like what Lex said, like Wiggly like tries to Wiggly is like a promise to you that he's going to fix things. But really he doesn't. And Tom thinks like, oh, if I get Wiggly, everything will be fine. But really... Tim doesn't want Wiggly. It wouldn't do anything except for hurt, uh, except hurt Tim because Tom would have been gone trying to get Wiggly. Yeah. The next one that we should probably talk about is the next relationship that's shown to us, which is Tom and Lex, and we're probably going to include Ethan in that too. I think Tom kind of realizes that, like, he really wants to help Lex, and then he when he was a teacher he thought that he was kind of committed to helping her and to helping other kids like her but then Mm -hmm. when he left he was hoping that she would just kind of continue to be good and then that didn't happen he kind of blamed himself like she said he was the only person that was like holding up her gpa and I can assume it's the same with Ethan because I assume they both had shot class because he did say that even if you chop your thumb off, he's not going to hold an accident like that against you. So he probably gave all of the kids in his class an A. And I think he realized that with Lex and Ethan that they had like bad personal lives and that they were could be smart kids, but because of the personal life, it was hard for them and he wanted to help them. And then when he left and then realized that Lex, like, dropped out and um, was failing classes, he felt responsible because he should have helped them learn to, like, be good on their own without him. But he didn't, and now Lex dropped out of school. Should we move on to um, Lex and Frank? Yeah which is the uh, next relationship, because as soon as Tom leaves, Frank and Wiley come in with the shipment of Wigglies. And it seems like Frank kind of trusts Lex because he realizes, like, she's not going to get a job anywhere else. Like, she's had bad things on her record, and she dropped out of school, and he's trying to give her a second chance. But it's really hard for him, too, because he knows that she's not a good student and that much a lot of other people would be better for him to hire. Yeah, and the main thing is that he definitely feels very superior over Lex and he definitely enjoys 
bossing her around based on their interaction where he like degrades her a lot he basically tells her she's not good enough for anything else and so I'm pretty sure that in the like workplace environment the two of them don't get along but he seems to trust her enough for her to pack away the wigglies despite the fact that she's got a criminal record and that he just trusts her enough to like work at Toyzone when he could have hired like other people who have a better record than her and he wants to give her the benefit of the doubt yeah and this is a completely different note but I actually think that Lex is really well suited for the job at Toyzone based on how she interacts with little kids like Hannah and I think that like he realizes that towards kids she is compassionate and that's why he allows her to keep the job yeah maybe like he's seen her and Hannah interact and she knows that like She's good with little kids, and she cares about them. Yeah. And, like, Frank also talks about how her boyfriend, Ethan, is, like, always causing trouble. And it's even seen later on when Ethan interacts with the security guard that he's been told not to hang around the mall anymore. So should we talk about Lex and Ethan's relationship? Yeah. They, I really like their relationship. I think they really care about each other. And because Ethan, okay, Nick said that his family's like poor and they're kind, but it doesn't seem like they're doing too badly. And it seems like they can like financially support Ethan. So the fact that he's willing to like put a a thousand, which is probably a lot of money for him, into a car just so that he can make sure that Lex and Hannah get to California safely. It's really nice because they seem to have a very, like, respectful relationship and it doesn't seem like Ethan is a bad boyfriend or a controlling one and it doesn't seem like Lex is at all a bad girlfriend. Yeah, and it seems like they're really, they really are in love and it's not just, like, I feel like a lot of teenage relationships, like, they're really just dating for the point of dating and they don't really care about each other, but I feel like these two really do care about each other and they realize a lot of like similarities in their personal life and that that like draws them closer together yeah and they probably ended up like they obviously both went to Hatchfield High and so they probably ended up meeting in detention oh yeah I like that idea because both of them weren't very good students and Ethan was a was very clearly a bully because we see him interact with the Cineplex teen where he shoves him up and threatens to throw him in a locker despite the fact that we know Ethan is both 19, so out of school, and he probably dropped out anyway, which means that he's not at this kid's school. He's just very used to bullying people to what he wants. Yeah, and maybe if they did meet in detention... He saw Lex, and Lex was, like, like him, like, not a good student, like, and he realized, like, oh, I'm not, like, there are other people like me who have bad personal lives and not good students, and just, he liked that about, like, how similar they were, and then they started dating. Yeah, they probably also bullied people together when, before either of them had dropped out. Because it just seems like the sort of thing that those two would do as an activity. Yeah, I also think, though, that when Hannah's around, they try to set a good example. 
because they know that they shouldn't be bullying people. They know they shouldn't be smoking and doing drugs, but they do, and they don't want Hannah to become like them, and that when Hannah's around, they try not, they try to set a good example. Yeah, um, not to mention the fact that they also swear a lot in front of Hannah. They don't seem to care about what she hears. They seem to respect her a lot in the sense that they treat her like an adult. Yeah, they treat her like an adult, but they still don't want her to, like, become like them and not be very smart and, like, smoke. Like, when we see Hannah, like, kind of miming smoking they get mad and they're like what are you doing don't do that because they really don't want her to but they don't have any reservations at all against them smoking they just really care that she isn't yeah because they realize that it's bad but they still do they just don't want hannah to yeah and like on that note they like lex's relationship with her sister is so good that um when the linda wants the doll she really really she would rather die than have her sister be in trouble yeah and i think a big part of that is because lex basically raised hannah because their mom was not good and lex really like realized like this other person I need to take care of because I don't want our mom to like treat me or treat her like she did me and that she really raises Hannah and that's how they have such a good relationship. Yeah because she also doesn't seem comfortable with while she's working leaving Hannah at home to the extent that she says to Ethan take care of my sister today and make sure that she's safe. And also, Lex would have been, what, six or seven when Hannah was born. And I think from even when she was really little, she realized, like, that she needed to take care of her. And she had, like, she didn't know why, but she knew that she had to take care of her. And I think that maybe a part of that is because they both have a connection to the black and white. And somehow that was, like, drawing them or drawing Lex to really, when she was little, to t- still take care of Hannah and to protect Hannah. Yeah, because at the end of that, like, Lex, like, during What If Tomorrow Comes, Lex just, she lets her sister do what her sister needs to do. Part where, that part where they hug, and it's so sweet, and, like, Lex knows, like, this. you know what you have to do, and you know what's going to happen, or, like, you don't, but you do at the same time, and that she's still, like, just be careful, and, like, I love you. Yeah, she doesn't, like, she knows that her sister, like, she doesn't say anything about Hannah's connection with Webby. She doesn't insult her about it. She just accepts that it's a part of her. Yeah. Unlike um, Ethan, who seems to think she's crazy, because I kind of get the vibe that though he seems to like her and he seems to be a very good, like, older brother figure, Hannah kind of annoys him a tiny bit. And I find it ironic that he's the one who kind of makes fun of her connection with 
like insanely because um since we know he has some form of connection to Miss Holloway because of the hat which we'll get to later but he um and Miss Holloway has a connection to the black and white so I find it ironic that he is the one making fun of Hannah uh with the connection to Webby those two of them seem to be really sweet to her when those two of them are sat together and he opens up to her in the sense that he tells her about the fact that he how much he cares about Lex yeah and I think because he cares about Lex so much that's why he cares about Hannah and maybe at the start of their relationship he's like oh like it's a little sister like I don't want her to be around but then he started to realize just how much Hannah meant to Lex and how good their connection was and how bad their mom was. And that was the thing that, like, made him start to become very, like, big brotherly to Hannah. Yeah, and also, when um, he is arrested in Witch in the Web, it's because he was probably dragged into selling drugs by Lex. Yeah. So, like, completely moving on to the scene in What Do You Say and Our Doors Are Open, Linda Monroe comes into the room on the phone with her husband, Gerald. So, I really hope in future How to Feel stuff we actually meet Gerald. I feel Um, really bad for him. Yeah, I definitely think Linda is, like, doesn't care about him. Uh, we find out that two of her kids aren't Gerald's, and um, she definitely doesn't care, and I think she's probably with Gerald because Gerald has a lot of money, and that's probably yeah. the only reason. Their relationship is very, very obviously abusive. When she's talking bad about abuse, she she's very insensitive, so she doesn't realize that what she's saying is really, really bad when she's talking to Becky. And then Gerald thinks that she's talking to him, which is actually very eye-opening in the fact that he thought her saying that she hates Becky because she's so naive and she's so weak is because she's talking to Gerald, which shows that she probably hits him and she obviously verbally abuses him. Also, she's just very controlling over him because with the whole Cinnabon thing, like, responsibility, her responsibility to keep him from not having Cinnabons. Like, if he wants them, he should be allowed to have them and she shouldn't get to, like, boss him around and say no. And she does. And I think that's, like, they have a very unhealthy relationship. Yeah, because also, when she's, like, coming in, she's, like, very uncaring about them what she doesn't open up to Gerald at all when he asks, when he says are you upset when um he obviously that's what he said to her after feast or famine because she says no I'm not upset or like I'm just annoyed like she doesn't want to open up to him despite the fact that they're married and she cares more about the fact that she has a hair appointment that day than she does about the fact that she didn't get a wiggly and same with um same with her kids like she really doesn't care about them and she's like I think does she call them little brats at some point or was that someone else 
But um, um I don't know actually. I think I think she doesn't care for them in the sense that she said, I don't care if he has to use the bathroom, he can hold it like a man. Yeah, and I think she's like, well, I don't actually have to love them. I just have to buy them things and they'll love me and it'll be good. Like, that's why she's buying them Wigglies. Because she's like, I have money. I'll buy I'll buy their love and respect when really that's not how it works. Yeah, and on, like, the note of her children, the two of them aren't Gerald's. So she's had multiple affairs and it said that one of those affairs is probably with Gary Goldstein. Really? Better run to our next one uh, with Linda and Gary. Yeah, because they definitely have a better relationship than she has with her own husband. Like, she, as soon as she has, like, that tiny inconvenience, she calls for, for Gary and he comes, like, right over from the end of the line. And she's just like, Gary, thank God you're here. They have a very, like, it seems quite intimate, their relationship, in the sense that just the way they interact. And I think when Gary goes to, like, help Sherman, because he's, like, the lawyer for everyone in Hatchetfield, she's like, no, you're mine. Like, she's, like, under the impression that he's her personal lawyer when he's everyone in Hatchetfield. And she gets mad, and he's like, and is she's like, no, like stop you're my lawyer don't go helping someone else that also shows off her abusive tendencies because she like needs him like very hard when he's trying to help Sherman when he goes over in the subpoena and so I think that like her abusive tendencies is just part of her character and it's got nothing really to do with Gerald it's just who she is yeah which she cares only about herself, which is seen in any conversation she has with Becky, where she constantly down talks her and makes her feel small, which moves on to the relationship between Becky and Linda. So like you were just saying, like Linda's like, I'm in charge of you. Like, I don't care about you. Nobody does. And she's like talking her and she's talking to Becky to make Becky feel like she's worse than Linda and that she's like not as powerful or as like important as Linda is Mm -hmm. I'm actually sensing from their interactions quite a bit of jealousy because we obviously know that Becky used to be the head cheerleader because she was dating Tom who was the head of the football team and those two were very popular in school based on what we hear And so Linda probably, she obviously went to the same school as them and she probably wasn't as popular as them and she probably grew very jealous of Becky over the years. And so when it's gotten to the point where Becky was abused by her husband and then he left her, which is what everyone thinks, whilst Linda's got this rich husband, she's got these four children and she looks like the perfect person that would make her feel, oh, I'm finally better than Becky Barnes. I'm going to gloat. Yeah, and also because, like, we typically see, like, in movies and stuff, like, it's always the head cheerleader. And, like, just being a cheerleader, that's, like, the popular thing. That's what everyone wants to do. And then for girls and then for guys being on the football field and or on the football team. And I think with – and that's not something that you would typically get made fun of for, like, Becky was – 
And I think since Linda wasn't head cheerleader, and who knows if she was even on the cheer team, that was her way of, like, making fun of Becky. Because once she had more power, she was like, well, I didn't get to be on the cheer team. I didn't get to be popular. So she's using that against Becky. And it doesn't really make sense, but that's what she does. Yeah, she really looks down on Becky, as we see in the like interactions. When Becky has been knocked out, she, even though she's unconscious, she, like, insults her every single moment she gets. She is snappy and she just wants to make Becky feel bad. And so the fact that Becky is the person who kills her at the end is kind of a triumphant moment for Becky because Linda clearly has a lot of pent-up hatred for Becky over the many years that they've known each other. And so Becky finally killing her is kind of like the last hurrah. And it also shows off the fact that Linda definitely feels like Becky was better than her and then Becky managed to overpower her. Yeah, I think Becky realised that, like, Linda was just making it all up and that she was always better than Linda and that that was like what just gave her that final push to kill her yeah and then a lot of what Linda probably feels jealous of is Becky's relationship with Tom in high school and then in Take Me Back as it's moving on to in the musical so I think what them like we were saying earlier how Tom it's very likely that Tom was like either mentally abused and possibly physically abused by Jane that that's like really what now Tom and Becky are realizing like they've both had that and I think it fits if Tom if Jane's abuse uh to Tom was just mentally um because and Becky's was being abused physically because they both realized like they've gone through that and they realized that like they're not going to do that to each other and there's a lot of trust there because since they've both both been abused even if Tom doesn't realize he has been um it's a lot of trust like we're not going to do this to each other yeah and another thing about their relationship which is like very I guess nice to see is that Becky and Tom fully respect each other, which is something that wasn't in the previous relationships, and they fully trust each other because Becky, without like much thought, opens up to Tom about what really happened to Stanley. In I think um, like in um, when they were dating in high school, trust then built up a lot of trust then. And in high school, they didn't have all of the problems of, like, Stanley and Jane, and they were popular, and they didn't have all of those problems, so they were really able to just build, like, a trusting relationship with each other, and I think that's the reason um, that they now trust each other so much. Mm-hmm. They also both clearly long for what they used to have, which... Is actually a very good theme in the two main romantic relationships of Becky and Tom and Lex and Ethan, where Becky and Tom yearn for a past that they've already lost, whilst Lex and Ethan long for a future that they can never have. Yeah, I really like that. And also with um, Becky and Tom, I think they both realize that like they're not going to be able to go back to high school and like have that relationship. 
but that that doesn't mean they can't have any relationship and just that things change and dynamics change and the world changes and just don't realize though that they can just they're not going to have the same relationship as they did in high school but they can still have a relationship yeah and like moving on to a completely different character Uncle Wiley, who is pretty much established by now to be Wilbur Cross, has, like, main relationships with two people in the musical, of Linda Monroe, who he seems to be able to manipulate just as well as Linda can other people, and McNamara, who he clearly has a past with. Linda, I think he's just, like, using her, obviously, and... um, As a way to get Wiggly to be born. Yeah, like, he doesn't really, the whole, like, you can be adored, like, he's just using that to convince her. He doesn't care if she's adored or not. And she just, or he just wanted um, Wiggly to become a god and is just using her. Yeah. And then with McNamara, the two of them clearly have a very long past, and it seems like they were very close in the sense that... He used to be his old mentor, and then he went into the black and white, went insane, and McNamara obviously was greatly affected in his trust by that occurring. Right, and there's that cut line, and we don't know whether, who it's between. It might even be a character we haven't met yet, but where McNamara said something about his husband, and yet it was cut. But um, I think maybe there's a chance that his husband was um, was Wilbur Cross or Uncle Wiley um, because he, um, Uncle Wiley or Cross says stuff um, when talking to Linda about how something about like how love is a two-way street and it could be interpreted as like he's talking to Linda but he's also talking about his relationship with McNamara or uh, McNamara's husband might be someone different. Yeah. So next we'll be talking about some individual characters who won't be getting their own episode. So we'll start talking about Becky Barnes. Becky as a character really confuses me because I personally don't like Becky and it's because she's so much of a Mary Sue and Mary Sue is a character who is really, like, unbeatable, they're powerful, they're basically the perfect character. And Becky doesn't have many flaws. Yeah, and she, everyone underestimates her. Like, we see her multiple times, like, underestimating her, and then she proves them wrong. Like, how Linda died was she was underestimating Becky, like, you're not going to kill me. And then Becky goes, like, I'm just lining up my shot and kills her. Yeah, and also, you can tell that everyone underestimates her based on how smart she is shown to be because she managed to convince the entire town of Hatchet Field, including her own family, including everyone who was friends with Stanley, and probably including his some of his own family, that he had just moved to Clivesdale with another woman and no one asked any questions. No one at all thought, wondered if he was actually gone, tried to get in touch with him and realised that he wasn't able to get in touch with them. No one said anything about it, which really plays to just how smart Becky is. 
And I think that also just goes to show that Stanley, just more of how bad of a person Stanley was, because no one even doubts, like, that seems out of character for him to just leave you to go to some women in Clivesdale. Like, they seem like, oh, it would, if they're not suspicious, then it seems like that's something in character for him. And they probably didn't doubt in the slightest that he would leave Becky based on how abusive he was. But Becky probably managed to kill Stanley based on evidence. I don't think Stanley was still alive. Even in Hatchetfield, I don't think he was still alive because a trained nurse would probably have been able to hit the artery as well as the fact that in those woods he would have gotten out and he would have told someone that Becky had tried to kill him. It just seems in character from what we hear about him. Yeah, and I think also with Becky, she another example of how smart she is. You have to be pretty smart to be a nurse and a doctor. So just the fact that she is one also shows that she's smart. Especially since she did not want to be a nurse. It made very clear that Stanley was the person who made her go to nursing school. But I think, though, that once she became a nurse, she was glad she did. Because she really does seem to care about, like, the different people that she treats. Especially since she works for a children's hospital. And Becky seems like a very loving maternal person. Yeah. And then, also on the note of her killing her husband... There's the question of why nobody, like, found his body. And I think we're probably going to end up talking about this when we do our episode on the Hatchetfield 8-Man because we're going to talk about why Becky climbed a tree for two days. But I think that part of the reason why his body was never found is because he wasn't fully killed by the time that he was stabbed and that he actually crawled away. And maybe his body was found by a predator or something. And then the next person that we wanted to talk about is President Howard Goodman. So this just threw me off completely because everything that we've seen, for the most part, takes place in Hatchetfield. And it, things like um, like the what happens in the Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals and The Hive can spread outside of Hatchetfield, but everything starts in Hatchetfield. And even, like, with Lucy, who's obviously not from Hatcherfield, it still takes place in Hatcherfield. But then the president just threw me off because they had a portal that was not in Hatcherfield in Washington. And they had um, a portal in Russia. And that just confused me because I was thinking that things like that could only take place in Hatcherfield. Yeah, and it's actually kind of notable that everything seems to start in Hatchetfield, but what Wigley did was national, where everything was all over America. And even though the song in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, America's Great Again, was talking about America, it was in Hatchetfield, but Made in America was happening in the black and white, which shows that Made in America was really occurring in reference to all of America rather than maybe just Hatchetfield. Yeah, and um, I also, Russia really wanted Wiggly's too, which I found interesting that somehow Wiggly's spell kind of works like on a, not even on the same continent, like across the world. And I found that interesting because I would be surprised if they just wanted Wiggly because of how he looked. Because 
he's, he's not really that replaced. cute. And so somehow his curse worked all the way across the world, which I found interesting. Yeah, President Goodman is also, he seems to not be very democratic. I think he probably morally leans more towards the Republicans, but he is a Democrat because he knew that would win the election. Yeah, because he says, like, I'm a Democrat. I can't do anything bad. Like, trust me, like, I'm a Democrat. Like, I'm all good. Yeah, Wiley comes up and he's just like, and he says, oh, this is, like, your fault. And then he's just like, what? No, I'm a status quo Democrat. Because he seems to think that all status quo Democrats are like him. So he definitely doesn't think very highly of the party he's a part of. Yeah. We don't actually know, like the guy who didn't like musicals, what happens to everyone. So there are a lot of theories about what the whoosh sound is. So we're just going to go over a couple of them. And I personally think that it is the sound of, like, this um, timeline, this, like, section coming to a close. And um, it's shattering. And a couple of different things happening. Like, in one version, everything is fine. And they just continue on. But in one version, the world ends. And that's what Hannah means by, like, what if tomorrow comes? Like, will tomorrow come? Will it not come? Like, tomorrow will come, it won't come. Hannah knows that there's a loop. She's very aware of it. And I think I also agree with that theory. And I think that the fact that she sings, do you all see what I see? Tomorrow will find me. Tomorrow won't come. I think she's saying, like, We'll keep on going, but it's not going to be the same because it's going to be in a different universe. There's no definitive answer. And we know that she sees all the possibilities, so I think she really is like, I don't know whether or not it'll come for us because she sees a version in which they're completely fine. But then she sees a version in which the world ends and she doesn't know, like, will tomorrow come, will tomorrow not come? Um, she doesn't know whether or not they're going to go they're all going to go to the black and white together she doesn't know whether or not they're all going to be fine she doesn't know whether or not only certain people are going to be fine she has no idea because there are so many things being told to her uh, another theory is that it's the sound of Russia nuking America now the problem with this is that Russia would probably go not not want to bomb Hatchetfield. Yeah, they'd probably try and nuke uh, Washington or New York or Los Angeles, California, anywhere that has more people that could be considered more of a place that will make a bigger impact rather than Hatchetfield, a tiny island which no one seems to have really heard about other than the people who live there who just kind of none of them seem to get away from Hatchetfield it's like Hatchetfield kind of has them in its grasp once you once you were in Hatchetfield you're stuck there basically I mean like Lucy Stockworth she left Hatchetfield but she had kept on going back yeah and I think also I think I saw a theory on Reddit about how all of these things are happening um whenever someone tries to leave so like with lucy um like who knows who but someone knows that like 
she's not coming back. This is her last time. And then that's mm-hmm. when the events of Hatchetfield Dateman take place. And in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, Emma's going to leave. And in um, Black Friday, um, Lex and Ethan and Hannah are going to leave. Yeah, I mean... W- Lex and Hannah have that whole Hannah and Ethan have that whole triumphant song about we're going to get out of this place. This place sucks, and it kind of seems like Wiggly comes to say to them, "No, you're going to stay here, especially you, because you have this connection to the black and white, and I need you to stay here." Like, yeah, the bl- Lords in Black will not let them leave, but it seems like Webby wants them to leave, but just won't so that was some of the stuff we wanted to talk about to black friday we weren't able to cover all of it because of time but in future episodes it'll probably be sprinkled in here or there if you want to talk to us about some of your own theories or you want to maybe guest on one of the episodes you can contact us at blackandwhite-pod at outlook.com Thank you for coming to the Black and White. The Lords in Black, thank you. Try not to nuke Russia on your way out.